0: As a chef and a restaurant owner, I'm as meticulous about my cookware as I am about my ingredients. That's why I love Made in Cookware. Each pan they make isn't just designed to perform, it's crafted to last. As a mom, I love that I can trust Made in. It's made from the world's finest materials, so I can feel good about what I'm feeding my family. I'm Chef Brooke Williamson, and I use Made in Cookware.
1: Pots of America is sponsored by The Financial Times. Knowledge is confidence, and reading The Financial Times means you can do more than just catch up. You can stay one step ahead across topics such as politics, tech, business, and climate change with articles like The Unexpected Revival of America's Trade Unions or How China's Slowdown is Deepening Hong Kong's Existential Crisis. Visit ft.com slash podsave to read free articles and subscribe. That's ft.com slash podsave.
2: Welcome to Pod Save America. I'm John Favreau. I'm John Levitt.
1: Tommy Vitor. <laughs> your tone your tone switches get me every time.
2: <laughs> Hope you've all had a wonderful Memorial Day weekend. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Like, what
1: color are those pants? Again, oh. this is an
2: audio format. Uh, yes. That's I, why I, I would say they're. Um, um, prescription. Uh, it's called pink. No, uh, what's it called? it's more of a lilac. Okay, it might be lilac. On today's show, we'll dig into the mailbag to answer some of your questions and then. Our chief take officer, Elijah Cohn, is here for Virtually. another round. Virtually, yeah, he's not in the office because uh, he's in North Carolina for another round of take appreciator. Uh, but before we begin, we got some. Uh, we got a merch announcement here. What is it? Our Memorial Day weekend sale is almost over. Uh, Thursday, June second. Also, my birthday is your last day to get 15% off site wide. (laughs) Fuck you. You're older than me. (laughs) Uh, You're you're older than him. And you're both older than me. 15% off site wide and up to 80% off new sale items. It's our biggest sale ever. So if you have your eye on something, now's the time to nab it before it's gone for good. Uh, this is the part where the hosts have to name their favorite merch store item. For me, it's anything Dan related. Um, yes, we Dan. A-, a listener named Charlie was asking when we're gonna sell trucks. Trucks. <laughs> <laughs> he wants some garbage trucks. We-, we could do some garbage trucks. Some for uh, take trucks. Uh, garbage take trucks. Crooked.com slash store. Uh, again, fifteen percent off site wide, up to eighty percent off new sale items. Pretty good. All right, let's get to your questions. First one is from AP on Twitter. Please talk about Biden's potential upcoming decision on student loan debt and the pressure that could be placed on him or members of his administration in order to get a result that actually helps people financially. Uh, Just for context on AP's question, Friday morning's Washington Post reported that White House officials are currently planning to cancel $10,000 in student debt per borrower and limiting debt forgiveness to individuals who earned less than $150,000 last year or couples that earned less than $300,000. This is according to three sources. The timing on the announcement is apparently imminent. Mm -hmm. We don't know exactly when. Uh, Tommy, what do you think?
1: What well, was Dan's line? Uh, it was in the uh, Saturday in the third
2: biggest media market in Delaware. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, there was some thought that he would uh, announce it at his uh, commencement address over Memorial Day weekend, but uh, that didn't happen.
1: And it leaked earlier. Listen, I mean, ten thousand is what we expected, right? Because that's what Joe Biden campaigned on. It seems like Biden has clearly signaled that he has some reservations about going higher. I understand the desire to target it to a certain income threshold. I worry about how that will be executed. I don't. I don't know that we know more about how that will
2: work. The under fifty thousand. Uh, you mean the under 150000 100 150,
1: Yeah, I mean, listen, like, income thresholds can be a bit of a blunt instrument where, um, I don't know, it doesn't necessarily talk about your ability to pay or not pay back your debt. But look,
2: $10,000 is great. I'm glad. I hope he does it. I hope he does it soon. I actually, yeah, I, I'm much happier with the income threshold than the, like, I think you could have gone from, I think you could have gone up to 50. Um, but like you said, Tommy, he he campaigned on 10. That was his promise. And he was elected on 10, so that's what we got is 10. But on the 150000 97% of all federal student debt is held by people earning below the threshold of $150,000. In fact, the poorest 20% of Americans hold just 8% of the debt. So, like, look, this is tax dollars. I don't, I don't think, with all the need out there in the country on a whole bunch of different issues, I don't think that people making over $150,000... Um, uh, if, if if they want to make that the threshold, that's totally okay with me. I think that's very fair, especially since ninety seven percent of debt is held by people who make underneath that.
3: Look, it's the it's the official position of my burgeoning uh, desire to challenge Dianne Feinstein uh, uh, for re-election. Uh, assuming she's run, because she has technically uh, filed for re-election. So when I do challenge Dianne Feinstein, mm-hmm. she's opposed. Uh, uh,
1: what? She's opposed to this plan.
3: Uh, no, but I'm expressing my distinct position, which is we should forgive all student debt except for student debt held by MBA and law students.
1: Oh, got it.
2: Got it. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. People talk about postgraduate and I'm like, but I think we do want more doctors. (laughs) I just do want to encourage the doctor to the medical school. Listen, if your MBA was useful to you, that's fine. I don't respect the degree. (laughs) Wow. Okay. You heard me. People also know the average amount of debt is uh, twenty eight thousand dollars held by an individual, and the majority owe less than twenty thousand dollars. So it would help a lot of people. Wouldn't yeah. help everyone uh, under hundred fifty thousand dollars who have a lot of debt, but it would help a lot of people. So I think that's I think it's good. Hope he announces it soon.
1: Also, you know, Data for Progress just released some polling on the best and worst messages for cancellation of student debt, and the best message was helping low income borrowers.
2: Yeah. Right, obviously, <laughs> the best, and that was a means-tested message that was about making sure that it was for people under two hundred thousand right. dollars. I, I believe in the data. Yeah, two hundred thousand. Yep. All right. Next question is from Sarah. What's your take on David Gergen's pleas for the World War II and Baby Boomer leaders in Congress to retire? Just for context on this one, uh, well, the first piece of context is Tommy really wanted to answer this question. Uh, the, the second piece of context is I do. <laughs> David Gergen, for those who don't know, because maybe some people don't know, was a White House advisor to four presidents uh, before retiring to a, a CNN panel where I think he lives now. Yeah. On the CNN panel. Yeah, he's te- got a it's, cot it's, on it's, the side. It's
3: technically a tiny house. <laughs>
2: It's, it's like, yeah, it's, it's, one of, it's what Rick Caruso is talking about. Yeah, it's about. one of Rick Caruso's tiny houses. Yeah, that's where David Gurgan lives, right under. Un, mm-hmm. And then Wolf Blitzer wakes him up every yeah. morning. Makes him yeah, pancake. Yeah, he just kind of shakes him. He's under the desk. He's like, all right, sit in your chair. David. It's like, uh oh,
3: Gloria Borger's, Gloria Borger's playing her her, her music again.
2: Ah, uh, uh, jazz. <laughs> Can't stand living in a tiny house next to Gloria Borger. Oh my God. So. He recently – I guess we should get to the question. Yep, he there. recently wrote a book about the baby boomers and made the following comment during his book tour saying, quote, I just turned 80 and I can tell you, you lose a step. You're not as sharp. Tommy, what's your take on this, that that that, that Gergen wants the, uh, the, the boomer leaders in Congress to retire?
1: I mean – you know, it's a bit of a broad brush.
2: <laughs> Listen, I love it for some reason. Took a wild
1: swerve at Diane Feinstein earlier, but there have been multiple articles written over the years suggesting that she uh, should step down, and so I think that's a good take. I don't, I don't think anyone's saying, "Hey, Bernie Sanders is really slowing down," right? Like, he's a progressive; he's great. I do think that uh, Congress is very stagnant, especially at the leadership level, and it would be good to have more younger members they just communicate differently and better and you know understand technology and so yeah (laughs) in that
2: in that they uh use technology no i i'm look (laughs) i don't want to get yelled at
1: by by boomers i'm not in the Lovett camp here i'm just saying like aoc comes to washington and uses uh instagram live and people act like it's uh landing a you know spaceship on the moon i'll make uh, a
3: couple quick points point number one hey david gergen don't put yourself down all right you are fucking sharp as a tech you are crushing it every goddamn day (laughs) And uh, you know what? There are a lot of thirty-year-olds.
2: Not running right? against David Gergen. There are that's a right.
3: lot of thirty-year-olds that would kill to have the 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 live mind of a David Gergen, just crushing it Love on those panels that CMA+ every day. Plus show
1: with him, that got That's yeah, ceremoniously know, yeah, yeah. The yeah. ceremony
2: yeah. canceled. Uh, you, you and you and David Gergen doing a Stanley Tucci and, and somewhere <laughs> <laughs> eating their way through the beltway. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah, we're we're doing. Um,
1: uh, what was point two? Yeah. <laughs>
3: David Gergen and I yeah and and will there won't they we do
1: <laughs> eat pray
3: love several times <laughs> that's how crazy this it's really wild ayahuasca happens <laughs> this is a show where I do ayahuasca with David Gergen did you do some before this pod I'm a little loose today <laughs> <laughs> listen, Those are the we listen <laughs> uh, wait but I have another point oh. here's the point I wanted to make okay there's we no there it, it's not that any specific person needs to retire. Actually, I know that I, I know that I have made, uh, made, made, made bones with the, with the boomers. But it's not, it's not about any one person being too old for the job. Although there are plenty of people that are too old for the job in their jobs. It's that the fact of living in a gerontocracy is a symptom of a larger problem, which is a, a system that do- does not elevate new people and that does not create the space for new people to run. Part of the reason we're stuck with all these old people is it's. We're, we're in this sort of fractured media environment where just building a name has become nearly impossible. It's part of the reason Joe Biden is president right now. And I think we pay a price every single day for not having leaders who are able to kind of speak uh, in a language that uh, is more familiar to people under 50, under 40, under 30. And every time you see someone just a little bit younger, like Brian Schatz or Chris Murphy, kind of take to the floor, or AOC, take to the floor and just sort of speak in a way that's sort of clear and right. transparent and not like kind of, uh, s- s- mired in the language of Washington, you know the price you pay
2: when you when all the leaders of all the committees are septuagenarians or octogenarians. That's all. Yeah, I think it's just as Congress needs to do a lot better in terms of diversity by race, gender, sexual orientation, age too. They just need to yeah. do better, to have a more diverse. <laughs> but it's not a panacea as Madison Cawthorn <laughs> showed us. Yeah, of course, yeah. that's very good. Well, fun follow-up question from Laura. Tell us your fantasy league of House and Senate Democratic leadership. This one, and I don't know. I got I, some. What I do got you got, some. please? All right, in the House. There's just some names that I would like to see in leadership. That's all this is. Jayapal. Yeah. Yeah, she she's great. Right? Uh Ro Khanna. We love Ro Khanna. Katie Porter. Please. <laughs> For sure. Sign Joe up.
1: Neguse. Everyone loves that guy. He's great. All the... Oh, those are
2: just four I could think of in the House. Neguse four was Dems. on mine. Josh Gottheimer. Jo- Josh Gottheimer. <laughs> I almost wrote that down as a joke. You got it. All right, Thorn no, um, Godheimer uh, in the Senate. We we you guys must have senators. Do you? I, 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 get... I
1: mean, this is where the generational argument it becomes quite clear. Like Brian Schatz mm-hmm. goes to the floor and speaks like a human being, communicates on Twitter like a human being. You feel like you know him,
2: and he's just really good at the job. Yeah, yeah. And and this is where this cuts against the age thing. Elizabeth Warren. I mean, she's in leadership now, but yes. Elizabeth Warren be great in leadership. Cory Booker, Chris Murphy, oh, yeah. both great. You ended. know, I love Cory Booker. Raphael Warnock, I know he hasn't been there that long, but he'd be great in leadership as well.
1: Yeah, I've been um, uh, a Murphy stand for a while because he likes to geek out on World o stuff. Yeah. Pod Save America is brought to you by the Homegrown OKC podcast. There is way more to the Oklahoma City bombing than any of us knew. You can learn a ton about it on the podcast Homegrown OKC, hosted by Jeffrey Tubin and based on his book. It unpacks the tragic Oklahoma City bombing and how the event still ripples today and calls for political violence. Just days after the Oklahoma City bombing in 1995, America discovered the perpetrator was a right-wing extremist, Timothy McVeigh, whose mindset and values are still very present today, as seen in the January 6th attack on our Capitol. Each episode of the Homegrown OKC podcast follows the story of McVeigh, a decorated army veteran who became consumed with rage, went underground and built a bomb that killed 168 people. The Homegrown OKC podcast is about a better understanding of the political environment in our country today. I think this is such an important story that tells you so much about radicalization, the far right in this country, the things that were simmering under the surface long before January 6th and some of the origins, which dates back to the Oklahoma City bombing. Uh, It's an incredible podcast based on an amazing book. I highly recommend it. To listen to Homegrown OKC, search for Homegrown OKC in your podcast app. That's Homegrown OKC.
2: Okay, a few questions on guns in the wake of the school shooting in Uvalde. Uh, Leah and several of you asked, can Biden do anything by executive action on gun control that he hasn't already done? He did do something on ghost guns. That's what yeah, they did. just do. did
1: the ghost guns. I mean, I, I tried to look into this a bit. There's, Biden himself said there's not much on executive action that he can do or that's left to do. Some advocates say you should have DOJ unilaterally close the gun show loophole by basically deciding that gun shows and online marketplaces have to get licenses like other dealers. That seems like a good idea.
2: Yeah, I guess they, they think that the Giffords organization has been pushing this as well. And uh, Kamala Harris, uh, <laughs> Joe Biden's vice president, uh, had this proposal when she was running, which is you you redefine what engaged in the business of selling firearms mm-hmm. means from a federal, like via executive action. And then you can do what you were just talking yeah. about, Tommy, which is expand background checks. So people um, want a gun czar, a gun, gun, c- gun coordinator. Yep. That's one that will get demagogued by right wing idiots, but it might be worth it. Another thing that Kamala Harris uh, proposed as an executive action which she was running uh, is the banning of assault weapon imports from overseas, yeah. which, you know, would make... Some kind of difference, even though most of the, a lot of the assault weapons are manufactured right here in the United States, unfortunately. But you might as well stop imports from overseas. That sure. seems like common sense. And then uh, she also advocated taking executive action to keep domestic abusers from getting guns. Um, March for Our Lives has said that Biden could do more on stopping firearm trafficking as well through executive action.
1: Yeah, and some people just want him to, or the administration, just to release more data on gun sales so you can yeah. trace it better or get the ATF nominee confirmed or better enforced red flag laws
2: Those are some of the other things. But sadly and tragically, you need Congress to do anything that uh, would truly, truly make a a difference.
1: Yeah. And Mitch McConnell's the most cynical human being on
2: the planet. Yeah. Uh, We got some questions about voting in campaigns. Uh, Jennifer asks, I would love to know your thoughts on phone banks. Every organization wants people for these and it would be helpful to know as someone who rarely talks to an unknown number, why is this the push and is it smart? I feel like we're all quiet because like, we, we have all done phone banking
3: and we know that like, I don't know, whenever I've done phone banking, you make, I mean, sometimes you'll make a dozen, two dozen, three dozen calls before you get somebody who picks up. But then once in a while, you'll have a really, really great conversation. My, my instinct is to say it remains a really important and really valuable tool, but I do worry that it is becoming less and less valuable over time that's right i think the hit rate is getting lower and lower and i felt that even the difference i felt that difference between uh 2016 2018 and 2020. i felt the same thing I like i'm making calls in 2020 part of it may be just the, the nature of the pandemic but like i found that i would sit there and i was really like dialing and dialing and dialing that said like it is still a tool that we have and i and i and 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 as and as much as it feels sometimes like you're kind of beating your head against the wall i vividly remember even in, even in 2020, like I had like a few conversations, like one or two every time I phone banked, that was actually just, first of all, you got somebody to talk about making sure their ballot got in, that you felt like you were doing something, but also the conversations themselves were um, helpful. Like just, it, it's, it's, it's useful, I think, and, and and something short of inspiring, but but a nice feeling to kind of talk to somebody about voting who's maybe not paying attention that much.
2: Yeah, it's also a question of like, if people aren't picking up the phones, are they more likely to answer their doors? Like it's just a t- at some point you got to figure out a way to reach people. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah the, it's sort of a question of like, are we talking about phone banking or nothing or phone banking or something else? Right. If it were up to me, I would rather knock on doors than phone bank. Uh, I I also never, ever answer my phone. I, hey, all you politicians, I don't care how many times you call. I'm not ever going to take your fucking call. I'd rather give you money than take your call. And you I know think... what my
2: response is to your text? My response is stop. Yeah. Stop. Well, bank. I was going to say I think text banking is probably more effective, but only if it's not a form text. Yeah. We got to figure out a way because I know it's easier yeah. to send a bunch of the form text, but we got to figure out a way to actually sit people, sit volunteers in a room, and just like actually text. Hey, I'm from whatever. You think this text what? wasn't
3: from Steve Kerr? The the, 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 key... ones,
2: the ones that put their picture. <laughs>
1: but the key distinction here is the answer is not that phone banking isn't useful. Mm-hmm. It is useful, especially if you're saying, should I phone bank or do nothing? You should absolutely phone bank, yes. especially when
2: you're doing GOTV and just trying to turn people out and remind them that the election's coming up. Yeah, and Kalen uh, served us up a big big old softball. Midterms, where to put our energy now? Well, Kaylin, have you heard about votesaveamerica.com? One have stop shop. Uh, we have a, a fantastic midterm program. We are signing up people by region. Uh, Midterm Madness. You can take uh, one of four regions around the country. We've all taken a region and uh, we'll set you up with uh, volunteer opportunities in some of the most competitive Senate and House and down ballot races in the country. Right. You
1: can choose between uh, signing up for the Midwest or being a loser.
2: And or, I know. Or the West, where we, I think we have the most signups right now. Yeah, just saying. I think we have the most signups ups in the West. Right all now. biggest there's audience. There's biggest
3: audience. Uh, also, um, <laughs> I'll just say this. To no one in New York listens to us? We have a lot of people in New York, slightly less, which is why we're doing our. And we're, listen, we're obviously the East Coast. We're punching above our weight, as we always do. But here's the thing You're I know like how Finland's many people listen, listen to Pod Save America, and I know how many people have signed up for Midterm Madness. Uh, it is too big of a difference. Uh, like, we're talking to you. You sign up. Like, do it, just do it now. Bruce. Take two seconds, Bruce. Pick a region, Bruce, and sign up right now. <laughs> All
2: the Bruce's out there. Ellen. Sign up. Signing up. you are Bruce listening to this episode. Ellen, it's you not, have
3: some free time. It's not a contract, you know. It just puts you in the game. You know, you'll get the information you need. Maybe you'll help. Maybe you'll. Maybe you don't care about this country. I don't know. I don't know you. But I'm just saying, sign up, and then you have a chance. Just pick a region. Pick a region. Sick
2: of this. All right, we got some fun questions. Great. Michael asks, I'm heading to Boston for a work trip in July, and this is my first time visiting. Anything you guys recommend I should see or do while I'm there?
3: Yeah, I recommend trying New York. (laughs) It's just a a, a hop, skip, and a jump. Son of a bitch. Asshole. One of my favorite things to do in Boston is to go to New York.
1: (laughs) You're the worst worst person in the world.
2: Go to a Red Sox game. Go uh-huh. to a Red Sox game. Go to Fe- hey, just hang- even if you don't go to the game, hang out around Fenway.
1: Assault a Yankees
2: fan. Assault a Yankees fan right around Fenway.
1: The New England Aquarium.
2: Whoa, rules. I love you. Yeah, you're a big fish guy.
1: Isabella Gada Museum. We've discussed that before. Um,
2: one of the one of people. One the, thing people the, love the in Mugaru Boston. Move Omni is Theater a, at the oh, Museum of Science. Um, How about Bostonians that? Bostonians
3: love Dunkin' Donuts, and what's great about Dunkin' Donuts is it's also available in New York City. Oh my God, the, go whale watching on the tastes Cape. Different
2: in Boston. Can you do that in New York City. Well, now we're, go- now we're leaving Boston. We're going to yeah, the Cape. Now we're on the Cape. Listen, I love the Cape. it's a hop and a it's jump a, over the It's a big hop. That's a big hop. Uh, you can go on the duck boats. <laughs> I love them. How great are the duck boats? Yeah, most people live those. Those haven't been turned over in a while, right? Most people
3: what? I mean, those, don't those things turn, turn over? Uh,
2: don't they kill people? Did you say most people live those? What? Well, you, you, you didn't even have a Survive? You, you know how to speak?
3: <laughs> don't, I wanted to do a best of, and you insisted on the recording. <laughs> I love, said I was love burnt was gonna out. Give,
2: love was going to give you a bunch of recycled sea blocks. I said, let's That's do what a love best wanted to do. I said I was burnt just, out. Yeah. You're just like, no. Just sea blocks. Yeah. Just attached to news cycles no, that no, had happened no. long yeah, ago. No, no, the, the, the
1: best Christmas movies list would have really.
3: <laughs> oh, you guys really need to eat us find out what Biden can do if Congress won't
2: act? Legal seafoods. Go to Legal <laughs> Seafoods. <laughs> Unbelievable. <I> love Legal Seafoods. <laughs> <laughs> beat up, love it. How's it usually in Boston? Hi, I'm The comment, a... the comment is beautiful. you are beautiful comments. Can you stop is making not... fun of an avatar of our listener? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. You're welcome. Love y'all. Tommy defended all of you guys Jesus. To, to love it. Um, I got your back. Love it. We have a question for you from Amber. You have to pick mm-hmm. high speed rail or daylight savings.
3: This is easy. High speed rail. I'm not going to hesitate. I'm not going to beat around the bush. Of course, high speed rail. We need high speed rail. We, we, we I'm, I, I don't. It's, it's time. All right. And you know what? Would I like high-speed rail to uh, travel through a country that doesn't needlessly switch its clocks for no reason twice a year? Of course mm-hmm. I would. Of course I would. But i take mm-hmm. the trains. What route are we looking for? What's the go The first, go to? I want, you know what I want. I want Los Angeles to San Francisco. Sure. It has 10 times the people of Barcelona, Madrid, and they built it. With They siestas. did it with... With, with siestas, with environmental rules, with labor protections, they built it. Why can't we? Meanwhile, Jerry Brown tries to get the fucking train built. Gavin Newsom comes in and he's like, "We don't need a train from San Francisco to to, uh, to Los Angeles. We need a train from Bakersfield to Merced."
1: Cars are made of hamon.
2: We just we just got a uh, just saw Slack come oh, in no. from our fearless head producer mm-hmm. Andy. She said, "Shocked that he picked high speed rail." Andy, <laughs> you shocked Andy. You know what? You know what? That tells...
3: I'm a clown to you people.
2: That's what that's what
3: I think. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm a I clown. Mean, I'm a fool.
2: Was there some other intention? <laughs>
3: uh, yeah, I suppose.
2: It's <laughs> hard to remember now. A fast Go train to... is pretty cool. Though. A fast train is pretty cool. We need this trance. Lauren asks, "Who on the team are keto and who are
1: normal?" <laughs> I am not down with this keto nonsense.
2: I've sort of been I've sort of been experimenting with a little less keto lately. Here's... I don't know if it's worked so well.
1: <laughs> Here's the thing, you know,
3: I don't know if I'm keto with exceptions. Or just a person who eats whatever he wants. Keto I, curious. I'm sort of. I'm
2: getting that. Answer. I last I'm sort of just like less, fewer carbs. I would fewer say. carbs. I'm not strict keto at all.
3: I would like. I basically. I like. I had. I had a Taco Bell last night after mm-hmm. the show. Mm-hmm. Mexican pizza. It's back. It's better than ever. What a delight. I'm mean, trying to try to cut these carbs. You know,
1: we're in Hollywood. My first boss, back on the John Edwards for President campaign in 2004, wonderful man David Ginsburg would send me to Wendy's to buy him. Multiple burgers, then I'd come back and I'd remove the bun and he would eat it without the bun because he was keto. And I was like, buddy, I just took away the best part. You know, the rest of that shit's going to kill you slowly.
3: <laughs> That's why I wasn't keto at the time. That was we Atkins. lost a lot of weight. At- was that it was yeah. Atkins. Yeah. Atkins. Yeah. Yeah. So Atkins. Atkins is very, yeah. Is that different? It was pre keto. it different. Yeah, is it sounds like a rebrand. Is it <laughs> is it, it's, like, it's like when ecstasy became Molly. Let's face it.
2: <laughs> Sean Patrick Maloney will tell you about that. Yeah. <laughs> yep. He bragged about doing Molly on Morning Joe. Just that's something that happened. Yeah, um, yeah. uh, second part of that question from Lauren: What's the funniest thing Charlie did in the past month? Molly. <laughs> <Just kidding>. Char- <laughs> Char- Char- Charlie. Charlie was in this office yesterday. Wait, if if this is a if this is a Flintstones <laughs> chewable? Whoa. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> Charlie was in this office yesterday, sitting in Lovett's seat, and, and the two of us did an entire interview about trucks, and he really carried on. And then he now knows the name of this podcast. He says Podmerica. Nice. Podmerica. That's pretty good. Yeah. That's how that's He's that's... got quite the retention. He also he's got he does have quite the retention. We were home last night. Emily said, Who did you see at the office that you know? He said, Tommy, and then she said, Who else did you see? John Lovett. He says and he says your whole name whole now. Name. I like that. And then I like that. and then he talked about how he gave Pundit a treat. He was very excited to give Pundit a dog treat. Yeah. Yeah. So the that's... second the second Charlie was out of uh
3: uh out of eyeline, I took the treat away. <laughs> 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 Wasn't time for a treat. Cool. <laughs> I mean, Charlie doesn't know. That's not his fault. But uh, I took it right away. What
2: the fuck are you doing, kid? (laughs) Um, All right. It really did. Here's a question that Lovett uh, demanded we pick last Mm -hmm. minute, but was too lazy to find the tweet on his own. Uh, What does Lovett think about Elon Musk's Elden build?
3: Why has he got so many shields? What's he doing with all those shields? And I don't know about a dex... A Dex. What are they, these things? Yeah, I don't know uh, anything Elden, about this? Elden Elden Ring is a new game from uh, from Software, uh-huh. uh, which is it's a famously difficult, challenging world co- type of game. Okay. Uh, in it, you can build a character that can be uh, strong or dexterous or uh, use faith or use um, magic. Elon has built a character that is primarily intelligence based. That's magic, but. Has a little bit of dexterity so that he can use a weapon like a katana, for example. Just sort of an uh, annoying
1: troll.
2: Which no, I mean, it, look, you said it, it's katana a- katana to me like I'm like I'm experienced right. with katanas. Katanas. Like a <laughs> like, sword, like as you guy, know, yeah. <laughs> you a sort katana. Of landed, yeah, as I know, as a curved. <laughs>
3: it's a fast-moving curved sword. Sure, uh, a famous uh, for a dexterity build, okay. but his 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 inventory was had two shields. Uh, what are you doing, Elon? You don't need two shields. You don't need two shoulders to make you heavy. He's now you're going to heavy roll. Deflecting box. You don't want a heavy roll. Get yourself down to a light roll, my friend. All right. Are we Come back on, Mac and Molly. <laughs> light roll. <laughs> get yourself. Get, yeah, listen, Elon. 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 Listen, I know Elon there's some knows. context where you like to heavy
1: roll. Yeah, but this is a place where you want to
3: light roll, my friend. I know, I know friend. What those
1: five AM tweets are about.
3: Pal.
2: Okay. Uh, we also got a few uh, fun summer-related questions from a listener. Who goes by Tommy Vitor? Tommy?
1: Yeah, I mean, just feels like we got some summer vibes. Mm-hmm. Do, that do was we? the goal we were going for in this yeah. mailbag: summer vibes achieved. You guys got a favorite summer blockbuster?
2: This is, uh, I really want to see Top Gun too. So uh, this is like of all time, though, right? Yeah.
1: Okay. Mostly because for the sign, I can't figure
2: but. out which is, which is my favorite summer blockbuster from growing up. Either Jurassic Park. Yes. Or Independence Day.
1: Correct answer, both. Okay, good.
2: <laughs> because Jaws like, is I up there. Play. Oh, yeah. Jaws. Yeah.
1: Do the Right Thing is a good summer movie.
2: Yep. It's yeah. Adventureland,
1: Caddyshack. Do the Right Thing is not a summer blockbuster. It's a summer movie. Yeah. I guess there's a, right. You're thinking like big budget popcorn
2: action. Yeah. Yeah. I was sure, also thinking sure, like sure. that were out, like that were released when I was growing up that I can remember. Yeah, Which Jaws Caddyshack, doesn't, there. Caddyshack doesn't really fit the bill there.
1: Right. That was an old one. Yeah.
2: Okay. So anyway, those are yeah, those are mine.
3: It's funny. I'm trying to think. Like, what is the truly the, the best action? I was so excited big to budget. see Jurassic
2: Park. I can remember just going it's to the incredible. theater. And, yeah. The
3: big, best big budget action movies of all time that I've loved in the theater.
2: Oh, Armageddon for you, right?
3: I'm listen. I'm a deep I'm a deep impact man in an Armageddon world. Mm-hmm. Right. The science was better in Deep Impact. Although I do not understand and will never understand why T. Leone decided to go back to be on that beach with her fucking dad. Didn't make any sense. Mm. You gonna die so you can have one last hug with this absent father? The world needed you on MSNBC. That was the whole point. The world needed you. And she dies in the ocean. And meanwhile, if she'd just gone uphill with um, Elijah Wood, uh, she'd have been fine.
1: (laughs) I don't remember this movie. I I don't don't either at all. Neither (laughs) do I. Is it good? (laughs) I mean, yeah. I barely barely remember it. (laughs) Uh, Best month of the summer, June, July, August, September are your options.
2: Oh, you're throwing September in there. I guess that makes sense. I'm an August boy. I love August. I'm going July because I feel like June is still uh, too busy, too many, it doesn't, no one treats it as summer enough yet. I think July is your real total summer month. Mm -hmm. I'm going to go June. You got 4th of July. Right. No, no. I I mean, I go June
1: because I'm an August 31st birthday. And so there's something about August. The month of August will forever make me think, Summer is about to be over, and now I'm going to be back at school. Even yeah, even having lived in Los Angeles for five years, where it stays warm all the time, and it, frankly, it's nicer in September, or in October, or November sometimes than it is earlier in the summer because of June gloom. It's a thing we have out here called fog mm-hmm. that we whine about when it's 57 or 65 degrees. Um, I just the, June, you have the whole summer ahead of you.
2: Yeah, mm-hmm. I do love June too. It is I, my it's my birthday month. So.
1: But um, if you live your life.
3: Viewing the times in which there is more good ahead mm-hmm. as a reason to judge those moments as good—can anything be good when oh, okay. everything is limited okay. and everything will run out, no therapy, matter what you do? Therapy, boy there, over here. There are therapy boys. Uh oh, is it time? We're doing some for another chapter. Do you want in me the to story to...
1: of the therapy boys? What? If, I, I have an idea. What if we just all did a ten-minute mindfulness meditation and we released it? <laughs>
2: It's Just Elijah has to wait for ten minutes to come in for take appreciator. What he can we just deep breathe with us. Everybody, close your eyes. Any other think of som- one
1: <laughs> good thought.
2: I don't think my other questions were good.
1: If you guys have predictions on who will drop the song of the summer, I'd love to hear it. And then kind of just a uh, that's a uh, tough prediction. Yeah,
2: I, I was thinking that. I hope um, I hope Rihanna finally drops her album. Oh yeah, finally.
1: I put some money on. It's get a future pretty, on that Megan. would be
2: pretty, that would that would be the album of the summer. I Megan
1: Thee Stallion put a future on her. I bet Bieber will do something stupid. Everyone will like it. John, I don't know. Maybe a film score.
3: Yeah, maybe, maybe film score. <laughs> maybe there'll be a nice film score. Maybe a,
2: something Ira Glass releases. You mean Philip Glass? I was going for the podcast version. I'm sure Taylor will re-release 1989 soon. That'll be something. There we go. Should we do Take Appreciators? Yeah, let's yeah. go. <laughs> our chief take officer elijah cone joining us by video
4: hey guys rock solid a block that was really tight.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: Stephen a cone how's one
1: it going out there one of our better one of our better a blocks you got big plans for the weekend you got big big
2: uh, holiday well plans?
4: the weekend already happened for everyone just loves things
1: so yeah no. you're your uh,
2: but you know that's risky that's, i
4: did want to say that it's risky to do a take appreciator this far in advance of release. So we'll see how this ages.
2: We'll see how it goes. Okay, well, okay. Yeah. yeah. Like a fine wine, I'm sure.
4: All right, so just a reminder for everyone how the game works. I'm going to share some takes with you all. The producers have seen them. John, John, and Tommy have not. They'll react and rate them on a scale of one to four Politicos, with four being the worst. Are you guys ready?
2: Yeah, we're ready. We're, we're ready. ready. Couldn't be... All
0: right, ready. <laughs> we'll
4: get started then. Uh, we agreed there are a lot of horrible gun control takes out there right now, very trolly and bad, and we agreed that we would avoid them for this segment, uh, but we'll go adjacent to it. Uh, Mm -hmm. So after the Uvalde shooting, Beto O'Rourke interrupted a press conference that Governor Greg Abbott was holding, saying that Abbott wasn't doing enough on gun control. That spawned this piece from the Daily Mail, which has an extremely long title. The title of the piece is, This isn't time for political stunts, and Texans don't need two-bit washed-up politicians like Beto O'Rourke hijacking their horror for his own selfish political interests. That's just the title. Here's a quote. This is not a partisan or political moment. This is not Mm. about showboating for the cameras, getting follows on Twitter or shares on Instagram, which was clearly Beto's intention. I know there are many people on social media applauding Beto, but as Dave Chappelle once said, Twitter is not a real place. Guys, who wrote it?
2: Oh, oh, for the Daily
3: Mail? Oh, who I writes g- for the Daily Mail? Oh my God, I know who it is. I know who it is. It's that fucking shit-eating, uh, it's Piers Morgan.
4: It is not Piers Morgan. Fuck.
2: Oh,
3: I thought I had it. I don't know. Am who- I close?
2: How 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 are you? How do you get close to Piers Morgan? <laughs> I don't know.
3: It, it's a, you know.
2: Emotionally close?
4: Oft-mocked famous pundit, so you're close in that mm. way.
2: Mm. The Daily Mail? <laughs> oh, 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 I got it, I got it. It's Megan McCain.
4: It is <laughs> Megan McCain. Yes.
2: Uh, uh, nice. John. Uh, that's Ooh, good. Forgot she was writing for the Daily Mail now. Oh, yeah, man.
1: Mostly the Daily Mail is just the that website with a, a whole side column of just horribly misogynistic photos and garbage.
2: Let me just let me just say so. yeah. You know, if if you want to Beto O'Rourke is currently running for governor of Texas and if you want to uh, win the governorship of Texas, definitely the the politically shrewd move is to scream about guns in that state, right? Like, we like like Beto's doing it just for his own political fortunes. Like, it's not a popular thing to do (laughs) what he did. He did did it because he fucking believes that he needed to do something. Come on.
3: I also, even if, even if he is trying, to draw attention to the issue because yeah, he believes, point. believes it might be politically advantageous to try to build more support for this issue by showing his anger and his outrage more power to him. I am so fucking sick of theater critics judging the performance of how politicians decide to engage on issues at a time and when like the bigger question is not like uh, Beto's tone and where he decides to speak about the fact that kids are getting killed. Uh, yeah, in mean, their classrooms.
2: What Megan McCain wants is for ev- is for everyone to mourn the tragedy and then say nothing about gun control at all because she doesn't believe in gun control. That's what she wants. So that's what she's trying to do by writing this fucking piece. Like, yeah. give me a fucking
3: break. Whenever anyone says don't politicize something, what they really mean is maintain the politics as they currently exist because I like them. That's of course.
1: Also Daily Mail, we kicked your ass 200 years ago so we didn't have to listen to this kind of bullshit opinion. There you go. Yeah. Go write about Boris Johnson. Write about
2: Boris Johnson. Nice. Uh, all oh, right. we didn't we didn't yeah, I was gonna it. say no. it That's the whole the whole game um, three I uh, was gonna say three to say 3 2 oh, I'm uh, close to giving that a full playbook I'm really mad I just have a low bar for the I source yeah I'm giving it a full playbook wow.
1: all
2: right wow, I'm, full doing playbook. I'm doing it wow I'm mad he's mad
3: all right
4: well world
2: coming
3: out of his ears Uh oh
4: world those buckle up this next one is like I can only describe it as delicious um, <laughs> all
3: right it's as much
4: about the author as the take. They are inseparable. Um, so from the Washington Post, a piece titled, Biden must stop the promiscuous publicizing of U.S. intelligence. Pause here. That is my that is a note to myself to pause there. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Leave that in. Leave it in. Leave it in. It in. Leave no it chance. in. That it's was incredible. incredible. No chance. That's incredible. why I have Leave more that in.
4: pauses after the titles. Sometimes I just go right into it. But again, Biden must stop the promiscuous publicizing of u.s intelligence okay this piece starts by pointing out that biden releasing intelligence on ukraine did not stop putin from invading it also attacks the media for not being more critical of the fact that ukraine did not fall quickly even though the u.s warned that it could if russia invaded and here's a quote it's not just coincidence that the intelligence and communication strategy mistakes in ukraine echoed errors in afghanistan Two major blunders, hardly six months apart. Who wrote it?
1: I think I got this one. I think this was Mark Thiessen.
4: Not Mark Thiessen. Oh.
1: He's a uh, uh, wait. Do we know the public
3: torture loving from Bush? Post, Washington so Post. A, I was guest writer. I was a, I was a, guest writer. Yes. A guest uh, writer. Guest uh, writer.
2: So it's not Hugh Hewitt.
3: Yeah, that's my. That was my
2: next go to. That didn't sound like Hugh. Intelligent. Uh, is it? Uh, is it some? Is oh, it Ari is Fleischer? It,
4: no, he is a former is it, administration official. Though is it and uh, an all-time um, asshole?
1: Uh, Mike uh, Pompeo? Nope. Trump era? Question mark. Trump it, era, um, oh.
4: but also before. Oh,
1: was it a? Is it a CIA director?
3: Oh, God, uh, uh,
2: oh, 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 it's uh, it's uh, John Bolton.
4: Yes, it's John Bolton. John, wow, good too it. there.
2: John wow. Bolton, the stash.
1: That was good. Nice. Um, hmm. Yeah, uh, that's that's a, that's a full playbook. Just sort of hindsight, totally wrong.
2: Also, just like, a, yeah, look who's, look who's talking about intelligence failures, John Bolton.
1: Yeah, thanks for a rock.
2: Look like who's talking about intelligence failures. Yeah, that's I, that gets like a, just because of the, the gall to talk about mm-hmm. someone else's intelligence failures, and also you're doing it in, uh, incorrectly. <laughs> that's a three. That's three. I'll give that three. Yeah, I'm at three. I'm still at three.
4: It did. It did excite. I want to say that one did excite me a lot. See,
3: I
2: like that one too. Is that the yeah. one that you texted me about last night? You were so excited.
4: Yeah, and I actually made a meme of my reaction to it. That'll slide to you guys <laughs> after this. It. Nice. It's like the Vince you know McMahon what? meme. Li-
2: this is someone who loves his work, right here. Yeah. <laughs> look at that. The passion's radiating. I off love there. that. I love that.
4: All right. Well, let's get to this last one and see if we can get Love It onto a full playbook. This one again is also just as much about the authors as the take. Uh, so the context for it um, is that in June, the House January 6th committee will be holding multiple televised hearings on the insurrection. We will, of course, be covering those here at Crooked with some live stream group threads. So go subscribe to our YouTube channel so you don't miss them. YouTube.com. Nine, pause.
3: Media. Pause. <laughs> pause, <laughs> Elijah. Elijah, don't forget your pauses. Thank you. No, I have it written down.
4: <laughs> so here's the here's the piece from the Wall Street Journal. It's titled... The January 6th committee is weaponizing majority rule.
2: Oh my God. Mm. The piece
4: Mm. asserts that the committee is partisan and it complains about the fact that the committee is subpoenaing some House Republicans. Here's a quote. This attempt to coerce information from members of Congress about their official duties is a dangerous abuse of power, (gasps) serves no legitimate purpose and eviscerates constitutional norms.
3: Who wrote it? So it feels like a House member. Is it Do you the, know the answer? Is it the Ed Board? It's not the Ed Board. I think it's a House member, and my question is whether or not. So here are the here are the contenders for who wrote this: Kevin McCarthy, uh, Jim Jordan,
2: Elise Stefanik. Mm-hmm.
3: No, I don't think so. She's not doing anything highbrow. She's not wasting her time. Well, I feel at the like
2: board. it's. I feel like it's not someone who's the target of the subpoena.
3: But the reason it could be Kevin it's, McCarthy is- It's one is, of their henchmen to try yeah. to get them. It's two. Yeah, yeah. It's a co-written piece, I will say. Uh, oh, uh, curveball. So who are the minority, who are the minority, uh, who are the ranking Republican members? I said Jimmy Jordan, kind of. Jim Jordan feels involved.
4: That's one of them. Jim Jordan is one of them. Uh, yeah.
3: Boom. Yeah, we got Jim. So who would who would who would do an op-ed with Jim Jordan? What's scuzzy fuck? Uh, let's see, <laughs> Danny uh, Hastert.
2: <laughs> scuzzy fuck is funny. Uh, um,
3: <laughs> Jim Jordan and is it's not Kevin.
4: It is Kevin. Kevin it, McCarthy it Ke- and Jim Jordan, and they you know are what? both I, subject I, hey, of subpoenas. Just...
2: I would like uh, to say to what am that... by the first
3: two I said. I'm just no, we're wanting... the first you said it? that. That, that just moved
2: me to a full playbook because the fuck the gall, the the subject of the subpoenas to write... <laughs> oh yeah, I'm sure I'm sure you're a, you're a, you're an unbiased viewpoint here. That you don't want to be subpoenaed.
3: Yeah, it's like uh, has um, what has Me Too gone too far? By Johnny Depp. <laughs> right.
2: Oh my god. Wow. That's a full. That's a full. That's tea. a full full playbook. Full, playbook. full also, playbook. Also, the Wall Street Journal gets the full playbook for for printing for that. existing. Yeah, it's it, funny well, come the Wall on. Street the Wall
3: Street come Journal on. is such an j-
2: embarrassment. <laughs> the wall, Yeah, fuck man. The Wall Street Journal editorial page. Also, coercing information. Uh, we're going to ask you a question. Can't you just can't you just answer a question about what you were doing on January 6th? Is that 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 riles you up that much? Well, it Just going to ask you a question about what you were doing.
3: It sort of actually admits. It sort of it's um it's a it's a tacit admission, right? Because wouldn't their whole argument be they don't have information because they did nothing wrong?
2: Subpoena a bunch of Democrats in the House about what they were doing on January 6th. They'll all answer questions. What's wrong with answering a question about what you were doing? What, the, what are you trying to hide, Jim Jordan and Kevin McCarthy? Unbelievable. Yeah.
3: yeah. No, not fans. All right, well. For, full playbook.
2: That's another. Full playbook. That is another round. Of take appreciator. Chief Take Officer Elijah Cohn, thank, thank you Elijah. for your service. Thank as you. As so always. Much. A a Stephen A.
1: Smith of Crooked Media.
2: Um, everyone else, uh, we will talk a to you again. Bayless. We will talk to you again at the <laughs> New York show on Thursday night. It'll be out as a pod first thing Friday morning, or hopefully, if you're in New York, we'll see you at the show. Come on Bye everyone. Bye, everybody. Pod Save America is a crooked media production. The executive producer is Michael Martinez. Our senior producer is Andy Gardner-Bernstein. Our producer is Haley Muse, and Olivia Martinez is our associate producer. It's mixed and edited by Andrew Chadwick. Kyle Seglin and Charlotte Landis sound engineer the show. Thanks to Tanya Sominator, Sandy Gerard, Hallie Kiefer, Ari Schwartz, Andy Taft, and Justine Howe for production support. And to our digital team, Elijah Cohn, Phoebe Bradford, Milo Kim, and Amelia Montooth. Our episodes are uploaded as videos at youtube.com slash crookedmedia.